welcome you again to another service of the Roanoke Salem Missionary Baptist Church where our motto is the end of your search for a friendly church and we certainly do our very best to live up to it. We're so grateful first of all to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that he's blessed us to see a new day and we're so glad that he has uh, given it to us. Matter of fact somebody said this is the day that the Lord has made and we shall rejoice and be exceedingly glad in this day. Our church mission is go ye therefore and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. We're going to have... Um, an opening selection now from our church musicians, and then we will continue forth.
to uh, just certainly take a minute quickly to thank um, Steve and want to thank um, Elijah and Ricky and Marvin, our church musicians. We thank God for them. They're so faithful in their service to the Lord. They play so wonderfully uh, for our church family. And I got to also thank um, Derek and April and Miss Jasmine for being here as they have done so many times. You know, we've been having parking lot services and today was one of those days uh, we made a decision not to have a service in the parking lot we're back in the sanctuary but just cannot thank Derek and April uh, and Jasmine enough for being so faithful thanks uh, Deacon Woodrow Hardy Sonny who's always here when we're here and then uh, Julia's in the sanctuary this morning as well so I just thank all of them for being here and we welcome you who are visiting with us virtually who are from other churches in our state or from out of our state we just want you to know how much we love you and we consider you part of the Roanoke Salem Church family as well I just have a couple of quick announcements uh, number one want to honor two special ladies uh, on this morning um, there is a uh, woman who's a member of another church uh, we call her mother cheek she is the the wife of um, Reverend cheek who was the the bishop cheek who was the pastor of, of the um, Evangelistic Church of Deliverance, which is just right down the road. Uh, Bishop Cheek died some years ago, but there was a special bond and relationship that was started between Bishop Cheek and our former pastor, our beloved former pastor, Reverend Sessoms, years and years ago, and it continues on through this day. Well, Mother Cheek is blessed of the Lord that she is going to turn 100 on Christmas Day. However, her church family uh, is celebrating her 100th birthday today and we join them and we ask you to join them in celebrating Mother Cheek's 100th birthday on today. Also within our own church family we have Miss Rosa Robinson, beautiful, beautiful woman in Christ who also has already turned 100. She has celebrated this month, she turned 100 uh, this month. 101, I'm sorry, that's right, because she turned 100 last year. Okay, thank you for the correction. She actually turns 101 today. Matter of fact, first Sunday she turned 101, so we thank God. And again, for all those, those December birthdays, we love you and we, we thank God for you. Uh, I want to thank Roanoke-Salem Church family for showing up on uh, Thursday afternoon, this past Thursday afternoon. We had a parking lot church conference and uh, I just want to thank the church family publicly for being so faithful. Those who could be here, and we certainly understand, I understand that there were people who may have wanted to, could not, but for those who could, we thank you so much for coming on uh, to a parking lot service this past, a parking lot conference, church conference this past Thursday. Last but not least, I, I was remiss last Sunday uh, for not having done this, and I'm going to ask my sisters and brother in Christ to please forgive me. They've already shown me grace because not one of them said anything, but I have got to publicly thank the associate ministers of Roanoke Salem Missionary Baptist Church with whom, without their support, uh, not only could I not do what I do, but our church family would not be as strong and we would not be as strong in the Lord were it not for um, our church associate ministers, all of us, myself included, were all licensed under uh, Dr. Sessoms uh, in the years that he was our pastor. And we continue on now uh, with me as pastor, but uh, to Sister Evelyn Lee and, and Sister Brenda Phillips and 
and sister uh, Gloria Stevenson and brother Monte Freeman. I want to thank them. They're all reverends, but they're my sisters and brothers in, in Christ. They're all licensed and ordained, but they're my sisters and brothers in Christ. I want you to know how much I love you, and I thank God for you, and I believe the church family also thanks God for you and all that you bring. You bring so much to this church family, so we thank you on this Sunday morning. It's now offering time, and of course, virtually, the thing that we will do is just ask you to please, please, please uh, honor the Lord through tithes and offerings. Now, those who are members of Roanoke-Salem, you know that you can uh, bring your tithes and offerings here to the church uh, this week. Some of you, in fact, came on yesterday uh, because you, had, you already knew we were not going to have a parking lot service. So some of you came on yesterday. You can bring them here to the church Monday, Wednesday, Friday. You can mail them to the church, whatever way you want to do it. And we know you will be faithful because you have proven that you're faithful whether we gather together or not. You've already demonstrated how faithful you are. For those of you who are members of Roanoke Salem, but maybe you're no longer in the area, for those who are uh, our church family in other parts of the state, other parts of the country, we would ask you to consider going to uh, www.rsmbc.com. You'll see that on, on, the, on your screen right now. Uh, when you, that is our church homepage. That's our, our homepage for our church. When you go there at the top across the, the, the front page, the first page, you will see a, a tab that says giving. And if you will select or click on that tab that says giving, then you have the opportunity if to uh, share uh, of God's resources back with this church family as well. So we thank you for doing that uh, in advance. And so uh, with that having said, I'm going to um, go into the morning prayer, and then uh, we'll have our sermonic selection, and then we will have the word on this morning. Let us pray. Most glorious and gracious and loving and kind Father, we thank you, first of all, just for loving all humanity. Lord, you don't just love saved people. You love the unsaved people as well because all humanity is your divine creation. So thank you for loving all of us. We pray for your world because it does belong to you. Our first prayer this morning, Lord, is that you will completely remove the COVID virus from your world. Lord, for whatever your own reasons, you have allowed it to come and you've allowed it to linger. But, Lord, you told us we could ask what we will. We could come boldly into your throne room spiritually and, uh, and ask. And so we're asking that you just take the COVID virus completely out of the world. According to your good and perfect will, thank you already for giving man the knowledge to perhaps uh, help begin to eradicate it through the vaccines that you've allowed uh, medical scientists to, to, to create. We pray that the distribution of these vaccines are, are, are handled safely, uh, swiftly, and, and, and fairly, Lord, whatever that may mean to you. You know uh, who needs to get them, and, and you know uh, how it should be handled. So we trust in you, Lord. We thank you for man creating plans to do all these things. And again, the resources, the planes, and the buses, and the refrigerated storage uh, areas to, to do all these things in the hospital. But Lord, we know it's all from you. So we're trusting you to help us get this right. Bless the um, incoming administration. Bless the outgoing administration, Lord, because you told us in your word to pray for those in authority. Regardless of what we think about them or feel about them, true Christians will pray for Joe Biden as he and uh, Kamala Harris come into office 
And true Christians will pray for Donald Trump and Mike Pence and, and the others as they leave office that you will uh, keep your hands on them, Lord, and your good and perfect will will be done in their lives. Lord, we also thank you this morning and ask you to just help people everywhere. People have food uh, problems and shortages. Uh, folks are in line to get food. Don't let your resources run out, Lord, your food resources, your clean water resources. And don't let there ever be a lack of or, or, or a shortage of folks who are willing to get out there and make sure that food is delivered uh, or go to people's homes or continue to cook foods. Help the business people, small business uh, owners in particular, Lord. Bless them on this morning. Just so many things I could pray about, but Lord, you know them all and you know our hearts. Most of all, we just ask you to use the body of Christ in whatever way you see fit to bless this world. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
God right now. Put them sanctified hands together. Lord, I'm down. I'm down. I'm down. Here you away. Away. Yeah, yeah. You that you are wrong and humble yourself before the Lord Jesus Christ and ask him to forgive you. Tell him, Lord, I'm sorry for what I'm doing. I know I'm wrong and I want you to forgive me. He'll forgive you and he'll help you through it. I'm not saying there may not be some consequences to your behavior because he is a God of justice and we've seen that happen and play out in this nation in the last few weeks. God promised he was a just God and he's showing us in real time he's a just God. But if you ask him to forgive you and you are sincere, based on his word, I promise you, he will forgive you, he will restore you, and he will then put you on the path of being and becoming who he calls you to be, his purpose for you in this earth. And what does that mean? That means you'll glorify him and you'll be a blessing to others. Amen. 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 Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray and ask the Holy Spirit that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart will be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Again, thank you on this morning. Uh, Wherever you are, I want you to just uh, give uh, these musicians a hand again. Lord, have mercy. May not be a whole lot of folk in this sanctuary, but it sure feel like church to me. Amen. Matter of fact, not only church, but an actual worship service. Glory and honor in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Those of you who will, please, um, if you'll turn in your Bibles or use your smart devices and go to uh, New King James Version, book of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 43 through 44, and I know that April's going to have that up on the screen for you, so you can actually actually see it uh, and read along as I share it with you. Matthew... The the book of St. Matthew, chapter 5, verses um, 43 through 44. And again, I'm, um, I'm, I'm using the New King James Version on today. This is what it says. And this, I want you to know, is Jesus Christ speaking. 
He says, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, and do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. Amen. And I want to thank Derek for being so faithful because he saw that there was a problem. He came on up here and got it straight. See, that's, that's what folks who, who, who care something about you will do. They'll sacrifice and come on and do what needs to be done. So thank you, Derek. Y'all hear me call Derek's name all the time. Now you, you got a glint symbol. Amen. To God be the glory. Um, I want to just for a few minutes, let us reason together from this thought. Your enemy is a blessing. Your enemy is a blessing. Today I'm going to talk about um, how an enemy is a blessing in your life. And I, I, I need to begin by first defining the word enemy. This ain't Webster, this is Horsley. An enemy is a person or a group of people who, who intend to harm or hurt you. An enemy will use any means, including violence, to destroy you. Now, that's, that's a, that a true enemy. That's, that's their goal. They want to harm you. They want to hurt you. They'll even try to destroy you. They'll use any means, including violence. And an enemy wants you to suffer humiliation and disgrace. And an enemy wants you to be in ruin. And if an enemy is sufficiently angry, he or she may even try to kill you. Amen now. Might as well just tell what we already know to be true. It's no wonder that when people are enemies, there is usually constant conflict and, and drama. Look at all the different uh, places in the world where there has been fighting among groups of people or infighting among a particular group of people right here in our country, even for years. After all, uh, a lot of our parents uh, and grandparents, you know, a lot of them taught us early that we need to stand up to our enemies. If, if, if an enemy started some trouble, we were supposed to end it. I know some of y'all got taught that because I know some folk right close around me, I got taught that, you know, you, don't you start no trouble, but if somebody starts some, you, you better end it. Some of us were raised on this philosophy. Do unto your enemy before your enemy can do unto you. <laughs> Amen. Today, a lot of people, including Christians, amen now, a lot of people, including Christians, are ready to confront an enemy. And it's not surprising because that's just human nature. It's human nature uh, that when we are confronted by an enemy, we either flee or we fight. That's, that's just human nature. That's in all of us. Um, it's just something that God put there. We, we flee or we fight. That's human nature. And that's the sin nature that came into the world after Adam and Eve fell. So I know a lot of you may be wondering this morning, why, why am I talking about having an enemy during a Sunday morning service in December? Good question. Excellent question. Because the fact of the matter is, it is the Yuletide season. It is Christmas. Some of you think, well, perhaps I should be talking about the announcement of the birth of Jesus or the arrival of of the birth of Jesus or, or the divine inauguration that took place in the manger for baby Jesus. Um, but I got three reasons that I'm talking about enemies this morning. Number one, Jesus did not remain a baby laying in a manger. 
Jesus grew up. Number two, Jesus had enemies. The devil was his enemy. Herod was his enemy. Herod, um, knowing that a savior was coming into the world, tried to have, find Jesus and have him killed before he could even be born. Amen. The Jewish church leaders collectively, they were his enemy. Jesus offers us, and here's the third reason, though, I'm talking about enemies this morning. Jesus offers us a more perfect way to engage with an enemy. Yeah, we were taught somebody bothers you, fight, fight them back. We were taught if you got an enemy, you know, get them before you get you, but they get you. But Jesus offers us a more perfect way to engage with our enemies. Now, let's look here quickly at Matthew chapter 5. Jesus is preaching in a free-flowing message that we call the Sermon on the Mount. In verses 43 and 44, Jesus shakes up his listeners when he says they must love their enemy just as much as they love their neighbors. Amen now. Then Jesus commands the listeners, those who were there listening on the mountain, he commanded them to do four things related to their enemies. He says, first of all, you got to love them. Number two, he says, you've got to bless your enemy. Number three, he says, you've got to do good to your enemy. And then number four, he says, you must pray for your enemy. What Jesus said that day was radical. It was absolutely, completely unexpected. It was completely against of uh, the, the popular cultural belief and thought of the day. That was radical. Nobody had ever suggested that you do anything but protect yourself or defend yourself or try to defeat an enemy before that day. Not anybody in authority who was leading. Jesus spoke those words, and when he spoke those words, people just felt, you know, until he said those words that day on the Sermon on the Mount, People felt justified in their desire to hate and harm their enemies. But Jesus told them they were wrong. Not only that, in verse 45, Jesus is clear that God the Father only acknowledges people who treat their enemies as Jesus commanded. And I, I'm going to come back to verse 45 in just a little bit. This message is for all of us because all of us have enemies. Whether you know it or believe it or not, somebody somewhere doesn't like you for some reason. And, and sometimes it's just crazy. Folk just look at you and decide they don't like you. I mean, you don't have to say anything to them. You don't have to do anything to them. You don't have to in any way uh, disrespect them or, or anything. Uh, some people just won't like you for whatever reason. Now, now, let me say this. Maybe the person has a reason not to like you, and sometimes that's true. Maybe you have intentionally or unintentionally offer, uh, offended this person sometime in the past. And, um, you know, people hold that against you. Uh, maybe you did them some harm or they feel you did them some harm in the past. Maybe your enemy has no reasons not to like you. And then again, some folks just won't like you because of what somebody else says about you. And that's always the, the most simple, foolish reason not to... I don't like you because of what Derek told me about you, and I don't know nothing about you. That's, that's just so simple on my part, but, but people, people roll like that. Amen. Sometimes, here's what the situation is. 
a person may want to be close to you in some way. They may want to be your friend or in your inner circle. But then when they realize that you don't want them to be that close to you or you don't want to be close to them in that way, then they decide they're going to hate you. You know, either we're going to be all in tight friends and, you know, are you going to be my friend or you're going to be my enemy? Some people have that twisted thinking, too. And, and I truly believe that if you're 15 years old or older, you've already had an enemy experience. And, and if you haven't, as pastor used to say, just keep living. You will. Here's what Jesus is teaching us in Matthew 43 and 44. No matter how our enemies feel about us, Jesus commands us to treat our enemies with care, with concern, and with respect. Amen now. What Jesus tells us to do goes against all of our human nature. It really does. And I'm, I'm not trying to act like I've arrived. No, that goes against human nature. Whether you're saved or unsaved, a lot of us are ready to confront and fight people that we think of as our enemies. Or, you know, if somebody steps to us in a in a, in a uh, angry or hostile type way, aggressive way, you know, we're ready to step back. Reverend Robert Sessions, as I mentioned earlier, our beloved uh, former pastor, he, he used to say about saved folks, he said, um, some of us can lay down our religion and do what we want to do anytime we get ready. He said, we can lay down our religion and come out our coats. He said, most of us have uh, no intention of letting anybody embarrass or, or harass us or harm us in any way. That's, that's just us cr Christian folk. Right here, right now in church, oh, I love the Lord, talking about Jesus, love everybody, go outside, somebody say something you don't like, and you know, here come out your mouth some words that a sailor shouldn't even be saying. And ready to fight too now. Amen. Not just words, showing up ready to fight. But Jesus is not asking us to be passive with our enemies. Because there are times that God himself has told his servants to fight. But in his mountaintop sermon, Jesus commands us to use four strategies to engage our enemies. When we confront our enemies our way, we only have a 50-50 chance at best that we will use the right strategy. When we do things our way, church family, it's always 50-50 at best if we're just doing it because of what we think and what we feel. But when we obey Jesus, he will supernaturally confront our enemies and we always win. Amen. Psalm 44 verse 5 says, through you, Lord, we will push back our adversaries. We'll push back our enemies. Through your name, we will trample down those who rise up against us. Now, be very clear about this. This psalm is saying that it's God that's going to do the pushing back. He said, through, we, he said, we said, through you, God is the one pushing back, and he's the one that's trampling down our enemies. I, I want to start to close this message with this declaration to my sisters and brothers in Christ. Your enemy is a blessing. I know it may not seem that way, and especially when we have to deal with somebody else's jealousy, when we have to deal with somebody else's hate when we have to deal with somebody else's attempt to harm us. But our enemies should drive us to have even more faith in Jesus. Amen. That's what, if nothing else, that's what makes him a blessing. Because if you are a saved, uh, born-again believer, your first response when somebody comes at you wrong should not be to put up your hands and get ready to fight. Your first response is to take a deep breath and go to the Lord in prayer and say, Jesus, help me now. 
Because if you don't help me, it's, it's going to be some, some, some pushing the tables and knocking over chairs up in here now because I'm saved, but um, the street ain't that far away now. Telling you. So that, that's our first response. That should always be our first response as, as believers. Think about these people and how God blessed them through their enemies. Goliath was a blessing to David. Had it not been for Goliath, had the Lord not put Goliath where he was, then David's ascension to the king, the kingdom, the throne, would have never happened. Yeah, God had already handpicked long before Goliath came around David to be king, but God used his enemy Goliath to start him truly on his way to becoming the great king. Haman was a blessing to Esther. God had Haman positioned, strategically positioned, because Haman was a friend of the king's, but Esther was the king's wife. Esther was the queen. And when Haman decided that he wanted to destroy all the Jews, including, including Esther, God had already put a strategy. He gave Esther a strategy. You go back and read for yourself. Esther didn't just go into her husband's throne room and start saying, I want this and I want that. He's trying to do this and you better know. Esther prayed first. She fasted and asked folks to fast with her. Then God gave her the strategy. So Haman was a blessing to Esther. The devil was a blessing to Jesus. Remember now, after Jesus got baptized, what does the Bible tell us? After his cousin John the Baptist baptized, and the Bible says, the Holy Spirit led Jesus out into the wilderness for 40 days to be what? To be tempted. Who was he tempted by? The devil himself. The accounts tell us clearly it was the devil who tempted Jesus three times, and Jesus beat him down with nothing more than God's word. Amen. I'll share with you three ways you will be highly blessed if you engage your enemies the way that Jesus commands. Number one, God publicly identifies you as his son or his daughter. If you do things the way Jesus commands, those four things, then God will publicly identify you. It'll be, God will let the whole world know, don't mess with her now because she belongs to me. I told you I'd come back to verse 45. Here it is, Matthew verse 45. Jesus says, when you love, when you bless, when you do good, and when you pray for your enemies. Then in verse 45, he says, so that uh, that, will be, that will identify you as sons and daughters of your Father in heaven. Jesus says, you do those four things because they will identify you as sons, and that also means daughters of your Father in heaven. Now, think about this. Because we are the spiritual sons and daughters of Jehovah God, God the Father, and we are the spiritual brothers and sisters, joint heirs of Jesus Christ, every good and perfect promise in the Bible is available to us. Amen. Amen. When you belong to Jehovah God, when God the Father is your father, and when you are a spiritual sister brother of Jesus, then all the promises of the Bible are available to us. Consider this. A lot of Christians are suffering through this pandemic, and, other, and we have other serious problems, just like unsaved folks. We, again, you've heard me say it numerous times, and I keep on saying it because it's true. Just because we're saved, we're not immune to what happens in this world. So, so we're having to deal with, and some of us are actually have had some serious problems and, and some ongoing problems related to this pandemic and, and other things, the economic turnaround and, and, you know, economy tanking and all those things that other people, food insecurity, all those things are happening to Christians too. 
Amen now. But you under, got to understand that, that, that um, through it all, if you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, God still makes a way somehow. Amen now. I, I know there are Christians all across America, all around the world that can tell you, yes, I have the same daily issues and problems and challenges as anybody else, but because my faith is in Jesus Christ, I don't know how he does it. I just know that God makes a way somehow. Do I have a witness this morning right wherever you are? Just If you know that God has come through for you in times and ways that you know no man could do or did not do, you ought to be saying hallelujah, amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. In some situations, as a matter of fact, tell you just how good, how, how awesome God is, God uses us to bless others in these dark and evil days. And not only us, because of he is God, he's used a lot of good unsaved people. Let, let me say that now. God has been using a lot of good, good-hearted, unsaved people to bless folks through these, these hard times as well. I, I got to acknowledge that because God can use whoever he wants to use. There are promises that are only available to those of us who are saved, but it doesn't mean that God won't help and he won't use unsaved people to bless folks as well. And God, God has grace for them if they'll turn their lives around. Here's the second reason why your enemy is a blessing. God blesses you and he makes your enemies watch and bless you. Amen. That's a good one. God blesses you and he makes your enemy watch while he blesses you. Don't you remember in Psalm 23, verse 5, David said, God prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemy? That means God wants your enemies to see you, see him bless you. You know why? Because your enemy can't do nothing about it. Amen now. Your enemies can't block your blessing. They may want to. They may try to. They can do all they, you, I don't care who it is. If God is for you, it's more than the whole world against you. But, but, but your enemy is a blessing because God will bless you and he'll make your enemies watch him bless you. Amen. Here's the third and final reason why your enemy is a blessing. God rewards you for blessing your enemies. Amen. God will reward you for blessing your enemies. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 21. King Solomon the son of King David says, listen, he says, if your enemy is hungry, do what? Watch him starve. No, he says, feed him. He says, if your enemy is thirsty, do what? Give him some dirty, nasty, stank, poisonous water. No, he says, if your enemy is thirsty, give him fresh, clean, cold water if that's what he needs. And then he says uh, in verse 22, he says, because if you do these things, Solomon wrote in Proverbs 25, 22, if you do these things, you will heap coals of fire upon your enemy's head. That phrase, coal, heaping coals of fire, that means that um, um, you're going to bring shame unto your enemy. See, because your enemy wouldn't do that for you. But when you do those things for your enemy, he or she's going to be shamed. It's going to bring great shame on them. Now, here's the key to it, too. And he says in um, verse 22, part, verse 22, the B part, and the Lord will reward you. Amen. And the Lord will reward you for doing what? For blessing your enemies. Amen. If you bless your enemies, Jesus said, if you love your enemies, if you bless your enemies, if you do good to your enemies, if you pray for your enemies, 
then God, he says, uh, God wrote through, the, through Solomon, he said, if you do those things, you give them food when they need it, you give them uh, uh, water when they need it, you give them clothes when they need it, give them a ride if they need it, give them some money if they need it, go to the hospital and visit them, pray for them, whatever you can do. He says, I will reward you. What does that mean? He means that I'm going to make sure you have everything you need and then some. I'm going to give you good health. I'm going to protect you from your enemy. Ain't no harm. Let, let them talk about you. Their word's not going to hurt you. Let them scheme up all they want to, one or 5,000. Whatever they're scheming is not going to work. Why? Because I'm going to step in. I'm going to make sure. And, and if I step in, it's over. So Lord, the Lord will reward you, according to Solomon in Proverbs 25 and 21 and 22, when we treat our enemies the way Jesus commanded. If we engage our enemies the way Jesus tells us to, he will reward us for our faith in him and our obedience to your word. I, I just want to end by saying again, your enemy is a blessing. And I, and, and I want to say this real quickly because I know we live in a time today where a lot of young people find themselves in conflicts all the time. And I just want to say to young folks, talking to young people between about 15 and 35, young teenagers and young adults, just because somebody decides they want to be in conflict and have drama with you, you don't have to engage in that foolishness with them. You don't have to. Don't let social media folk pump you up and your family and friends who may be crazy too, don't let them pump you up just because somebody don't like you now, I got to not like them. And they say something on Twitter and you got to say something on Twitter. They say something on Instagram and you got to say something. You, you sending them stupid messages and they're sending you stupid messages. No. You don't have to do that. All you have to do, saved or unsaved, is when people start with you like that, all you have to do is take a deep breath and say, if you're saved, you're supposed to go to Jesus anyway. But even if you're unsaved, let me say this now, even if you're unsaved, you too can still say, Jesus, I don't know if I believe in you or not, but I do want, but, I, but I'll take this chance because Jesus, I know if somebody don't step in and, and stop this mess, we're going to end up, going to be some real serious problems that could be lasting and harmful to all of us for long life. And Lord, I, and Jesus, I don't really want to get in that mess with this person. So if you're real, Jesus, I'm asking you to help me. Jesus will respond to your prayer too. He'll respond to your crying out. Why? Because he wants to prove to you that he's real and that maybe if you see him step in and help you in one area in your life, then he believes and he trusts that you let him help you in other areas and submit your life to him. And since I'm speaking of Jesus, you know he's always our example of how we should live. Jesus himself let his enemy bless him. See, because it was the devil, and the devil's not just the enemy of Jesus Christ. He's the enemy of all humanity, saved or unsaved. The devil is your enemy. Don't ever forget that. But it was the devil who made Herod try to kill Jesus. And it was the devil who... Uh, had people talking about Mary when she was pregnant and even though she hadn't known Joseph, but the Lord sent an angel, told Joseph, now don't be afraid to marry, uh, to marry Mary because what's going on with her is from the Lord. It was the devil who uh, drove, who, who, who when Jesus went out to the wilderness, tried to tempt him, tried to get him to cut off his life, cut his life short and kill himself before his purpose. Because remember, he took him to the top of a mountain. The devil did and said, uh, you know, jump on off because the Bible says the Lord will send angels to catch him. You won't even, a toe won't even hit one of the rocks below. The devil was Jesus' enemy, but the devil also was his blessing. It was the devil who made the, the Jewish leaders hate him because he was telling the people the truth and to stop worshiping man and only worship and honor 
God. It was the devil who made those uh, Roman soldiers come get him out of the Garden of Gethsemane. It was the devil who made Judas betray him. But all of that was still his blessing. It was the devil who uh, made those men take him, the soldiers take him to, to Pilate first and then to Herod's judgment hall. It was the devil who drove them to, to beat Jesus. It was the devil who made him carry his cross up Galgusta's rugged hill. The devil working inside those folks. That was all of the devil, but it was also his blessing. It was the devil who drove them to put those, uh, I'm going to show you this because April always has it for me, but I sometimes forget to show you. But you see this thing right here, y'all? That's what, that's what they put in Jesus' hands. That's what they put in his feet. They didn't put no little nails like that. They put some stakes like this, some iron, cast iron stakes. But Jesus let them do it. The devil was his enemy. He was behind it all, but he was also his blessing. He hung there on that cross, gave up his own life. He went into a borrowed tomb. The devil was behind all of that, except for the borrowed tomb, because they, the, his followers asked that he be brought down, put in the borrowed tomb. He stayed there the first rest of Friday afternoon, Friday night. Bible says while he was in the tomb, he ascended down into the lower parts, the other parts of the world. He went down into Hades and snatched the keys from the devil and set the captives who were there free. Came back and then finished his time. Stayed in the, the tomb the rest of Saturday, Saturday night. And then early on Sunday morning, Jesus got up. The Bible says with all power in his hand. And he was blessed because of his enemy, the devil. And now he blessed us. Matter of fact, the devil didn't just bless Jesus. The devil blessed us because the Lord used the devil to be the motivating person that led, that got Jesus on that cross. That was his purpose. He was going to do it. But the Lord used the devil to be the driving force behind getting behind evil and wicked men and all that happened. So that then the devil could make Jesus a blessing for the rest of us. To God be all the glory. To God be all the glory. I want you to think differently about people who don't like you moving forward. You don't have to engage in angry, hostile situations with them. Now, I'm not saying let anybody jump on you about beat you to death. I'm not saying that. You try your best to avoid that. God has no problem with your defending yourself because, like I said, he told the nation of Israel to defend themselves against their enemies many a time. But when you can avert conflict by just simply stepping out of it, stepping back and not responding in kind, go to the Lord in prayer. Ask Jesus to help you, and he will do what's needed to be done. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for the words that you have shared on today, and I just ask you to let it sink deeply in the hearts of those who heard it, that they will receive it. Lord God, help us all to think differently about people who don't like us. Because the fact of the matter is, Lord, some people have all kind of foolishness. And, and, so, uh, and some have some serious uh, issues that are about them, but they project their own angst and their own troubles and their own insecurities on us. But that's okay. Because, Lord, we know that if we belong to you, you will protect us. And as I said earlier, even if we're unsaved, we can, we can try you, Lord. You told us in your word, try you, test you and ask you to come and help even those who are unsaved and you'll step up and you'll show yourself strong and real. Lord God, I pray now that if there's anybody who's heard the message this morning, wherever they may be, if they're not saved and by the moving and urging of the Holy Spirit, they want to be saved, they'll, they will repeat this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. Please forgive me for my sins. 
I believe that you are the risen Savior. I, be I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you rose from the dead. I ask you now to be my personal Lord and Savior. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, you are now saved. Your soul is now protected. Heaven will be your home. But more importantly, not only will heaven be your home, God will continue, will start to use you and turn things around in your life right now if you'll let him. If you'll trust him and obey him as best you can. And not only will he start to turn things around positively in your life, most importantly, he'll begin to use you to be a blessing to others. He'll get the glory. You'll get the benefits. And others will be blessed. Amen. In Jesus' name. Give us, if you will, please, just one verse of that, and then we'll quickly close. Amen.
Savior Jesus Christ, the sweet communion of his Holy Spirit, rest ruin about us henceforth forevermore. Amen. Let the church say, Amen. Amen.